welcome on the barricades this is our uh, this is the next segment of our, this week's release of our show on the barricades which is delivered to you by myself Bojan Stanislavski and Dr. Maria Czernan who's here with me I'm I'm based in Warsaw Poland she's in Bucharest Romania hello Maria for the second time hi hi Hello. And, so I interrupted uh, you in the last segment, and you were about to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we're sorry. We're trying to keep. We're trying to keep the segments like uh, not longer than half an hour because we see that you know, judging by our statistics, that people just stop listening, stop watching after the thirtieth minute massively. Uh, so uh, here we are again, and we're uh, for those of you who tuned in to this segment without having watched the uh, the. the uh, the previous one, I want to say that we're discussing news from uh, around Eastern Europe, and uh, we're currently talking about uh, the kind of weird ideological mash that is, uh, <clears throat> I mean, the kind of mix that is uh, uh, that is being offered by the left and to the left, and you know, uh, uh, there are all those rainbow matters which are linked traditionally with, to the LGBT community advocacy, and then it's somehow mixed up with imperialism. And the more I, uh, and Maria, you explained that in the previous segment, and your observations and your conclusions, and uh, I, you, by the way, you called it lessons for the left, which I think is uh, very pedagogical of you to do that, but I'm afraid you don't really have many students in Eastern Europe anymore. Uh, that's 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 one of the problems. Uh, you know, you you uh, you made those um, absolutely logical conclusions that guys, I mean, you're going the wrong way. Doing those two things, mixing imperialism up with the rainbow flag, is not going to lead you anywhere. And this is like yet another nail in the coffin of the left. You know, whatever whatever you you actually mean by using this referral mm, uh, today, but. Uh, I'm I'm not sure whether they are really interested in anything else in a sense that you know I came to uh, <clears throat> to conclude judging by you know the achievements of the kind of independent left you know radical left whatever you want to call them uh, in Eastern Europe that they, they don't really want anything I mean they don't want power they don't really want any kind of even special positions some of them would like to get them of course but in general they're not really interested in participating in the political process in the central political process in their countries what they want to do is they want to run their own little shows and of course if they can get to the government uh, to sorry not to the government but to to um let's say to the parliament like in in the case of Poland that's great because they can still present themselves as oh we are politicians and at the same time they have no responsibilities they don't represent anyone so they can just be this moral high ground and they can you know teach everybody mm -hmm, like you know mm -hmm. they can they can give them lectures like this is how it should be this is what is the moral thing to do this is yeah that, that kind of stuff so this is the problem like you know it's not the first time that we come to uh to discuss like what the left should do in terms of program in terms of platform in terms of like where they should direct their political communication how they should shape it up you know what strategies should they uh develop in order to to start winning or to at least stop losing and stop disintegrating but that's that's the problem no one's listening you know this is this is the thing so uh i think that provided we should actually speak about that so you know, in, in the future, obviously people like Orban or Kaczynski, obviously people like, uh, I don't know, Kostadin Kostadinov in Bulgaria, obviously people like your, you know, right-wingers, uh, Aur, if uh, I remember correctly. Aur, obviously they're yes. going to be winning. Obviously they're going to be winning because, you know, for a long period of time, the lefts occupied this sphere where they were able to convey their message to the ordinary people. And for a long time, 
ordinary people felt somehow connected to to you know to the left because they knew that you know if there is anywhere anyone to look after them anyone to kind of save them you know anyone to kind of make things a little softer you know a little more bearable for them it's going to be the you know massive social democratic parties in in the west and the so-called post-communists that's like that that's a term used to be uh, used to be very fashionable in the 90s not any not so much anymore uh, in in Eastern Europe right that's that that was the kind of understanding we can discuss whether this understanding was correct you know and especially whether it has been correct over the last uh, uh, I mean whether it's correct or it was correct vis-a-vis everything that had happened over the last 30 years but you know this was the sentiment the general prevailing sentiment and now this political compass is completely broken. The majority of the working class in Poland, you know, pauperized as it is and and, and having suffered all kinds of uh, setbacks over the last 30 years, uh, is voting in their majority for law and justice. Okay, so all and why is that? This is because law and justice does and says things which the left, which used to be the domain of the left, which used to be leftist kind of. So, you know, the right wingers are doing what the left wingers used to do. The left wingers today are supporting, you know, American imperialism and so and, and, and you know, uh, all kinds of pro-war institutions. Again, something that the right wing used to do. Right. So this is the political compass is completely broken. And this is why, you know, uh, we it's very difficult to even convey a message like when you say less lessons for the left. I'm not I'm not criticizing the concept. Please don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of lessons for the left to be drawn. The question is only whether they're actually going to be doing that, you know, and whether they're actually going to be willing to do that and whether they, they really want to be anything else than just a fee leaf. Mm-hmm like a rainbow fig leaf for American imperialism. By the way, I heard one American Marxist coined a great phrase. I wish I could claim the authorship of that phrase. He called the modern left imperialism with social justice characteristics. I think oh, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> social justice characteristics. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's, and, and unfortunately, our left, our left in our countries is just a poor copy of a those. Cheap imitation, know, yes. Cheap imitation, exactly. Because, you know, the leftists, like, you know, in, in many uh, Western countries, they still, they have some positions, you know, in the municipality, in the government, in the central government here and there. They have a tradition, they have this and that. And we only have the kind of, you know, we're copying, we're trying to cop- copy it and we try to cope with their increasing madness because our problem on the left, we've concluded that many times in our programs, is what? Is ideological bankruptcy. That's what the problem is. That's why we cannot have any kind of compass for people to, you know, get an orientation because we've, we've unsubscribed from the leftist ideas, from, you know, basic Marxism like ABC, all right? So it, what we, the only thing we can do in order to try... And, and be present somehow in the public discourse, especially in this era of, you know, uh, uh, social, anti-social media, as mm-hmm. I like to call them, where there is a lot of emotions and hype and hot air and everything. Then you have to you have to be able to to, you know, attach yourself to some to at least one of the hypes, because if you don't do that, then you disappear. Right. Uh, or at least that's the logic. You could reappear somewhere else if you get out of this nonsensical uh, conglomeration of emotions and memes and social media posts and stuff like that and actually get to the masses where law and justice is going, where Orban yeah. is going, you know, right? This is where they are going. That's why. And how are they winning? Well, they are winning exactly because in in instead of focusing their attention on what is going to be put up on their Facebook profile, they actually go and figure, how can I appeal 
to an elderly woman or an elderly man from a small town in the Hungarian province. And guess what? There are more small towns than big cities. There are more villages than big cities. There are more people than those who are posting on Facebook, Twitter, and other, you know, Instagrams and stuff like that. Okay? So this is a basic truth which they understand and the leftists don't understand. And what is the major difference here, in my opinion? Well, the major difference is that let's just drop it for a while. Okay? Leftist, rightist, you know, conservatives, progressive, patriotic, internationalists, let's just drop it for a sec because those... Those labels don't mean anything today if you want to create a strategy, a political strategy. The first thing which you have to base yourself on, if you want to be serious about being part of, of, of some kind of political process, is whether you're going to base yourself on the actual reality, social and economic, or on the reality which is projected onto the social media where you can see all your friends. Those are two different realities. I mean, when you look the Poli when you read the Polish Facebook, especially those you know, who are most active on those anti-social media about Poland, you will get a very weird picture. And you will think, like I told you in the uh, in the previous segment, you can come to this conclusion that Poland is, you know, horrible place, you know, the worst place, they called it, right? The European Union uh, recognized this report as, as credible, Ilga Europe, uh, from the day before yesterday. Worst place for LGBT people in Europe. Like, what is so bad in comparison to what it had been like uh, say, in 2017 or 2015 or 2010. Because, again, this is the reality there in, you know, in, 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 in social media, in, in some kind of, in some people's minds, you know, and they can, in, in the self-admiration societies, okay? And then there is, uh, there is the actual reality, which, again, you know, asserts itself even in serious research I mentioned that. Please watch the previous segment. I'm going to repeat myself here. Now. But but you can see, you can easily find research which shows that the Polish society is getting increasingly not only tolerant and accepting, but is getting increasingly accustomed to the idea of having LGBT people fully included in their society. And you can you can discuss now what is the full inclusion and, and how, how people perceive this notion vis-a-vis -vis the LGBT community. But this is an entirely different matter. We're talking about technicalities here, whereas I'm talking about a process which is occurring, which, you know, those few people somewhere in, in, in the virtual reality are in denial of because, you know, they don't feel good. So obviously they feel maybe this year they feel much worse <laughs> than in 2017. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Many people feel much worse after two years of, you know, pandemic and lockdowns and all the rest of it. But this is not how you measure reality, okay, and how you, uh, how you analyze it. So this is the main, the main thing, the main division yes. is materialist mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of, you know, you know, the kind but, of like... Uh, why, how did we end it up with this? Because I have my theory and this is the fourth nail in the coffin, you know, progressive mm -hmm. movements. And this is the activism in and out of itself. Why? Charity and competition. Charity, there was a wonderful book written about charity and I'm currently supervising a BA thesis on charity in and out of itself and I think it's fantastic and all this sector of activism and looking for funds and grants. Now, um, why is it a problem? Well, charity is what you do and what the elites do 
to appease guilty consciousness and to appease the masses and to maintain the status quo and to portray themselves as good citizens. Charity is what corporate social responsibility campaigns for corporations do when they offset the ecological damage that they do with some trees planted in a community of their, where their consumers go to buy things and then they see, oh, the corporation planted all these trees here. So let us erase what they do someplace else in the world, basically the global south. So charity is always hypocritical because charity is um, not systematic, is meant to maintain the status quo, is maintained to to stay there. And Marx and all the classics already said it. So we pass from the ABC of Marxism to ABS, anything but socialism, (laughs) a BS theory, as Gabriel Rockhill said it. So... Uh, you have all this, all these problems related to, to charity. And then you have a whole system of NGOs that are capturing the progressive energies, that are capturing the, the energies of people who really want to do good and change society and domesticize it, transform it into a domestic energy that can be controlled via this whole system of NGOs that are basing their their whole uh, uh, activity on a bankrupt concept of charity. The concept of charity is bankrupt in and out of itself, and the whole range of NGOs are basing their activities. Basically, they are competing to get the poor people are not offering grants, right? Marginal groups are not offering grants. Who is offering grants? The elites. Through what? Through yeah, of course, of course, right? of course. So the whole system is is bankrupt, and it's the problem with it. Just as charity is, you know, appeasing guilty consciousness, and even those who have a consciousness. They use charity, you know, to appease their their heavy hearts when they see there's so much poverty. Well, look, poverty. I just want to... And this is... And the energies of those who might have want to change things is channeled through charity into something very, very compatible with a status quo. And then you have the other ones, the intellectuals, young people who have their hearts in the right place. They want to change things. They want to contribute to society. They want to make things work better. But then you have this whole NGO system that is challenging that good energy into something very compatible with the status quo. And it just offers the illusion that you are changing something while in fact you are just contributing to the hierarchical uh, system and to the status quo. And apart from that, not only is the good energy with of people who really want to do something good for the society and for the people around them is challenging that energy through a system that is basically there just to offer the illusion of change but basically maintain the status quo but it also divides and and subverts 
any kind of attempt to form and to build a, a grassroots solid uh, movement based on solidarity. Why do I say that? Because as I told oftentimes during our show, you are competing. You are competing with others for funds and when you are basically in an adversarial relation that creates all sorts of problems and hierarchies are built, right? Who is the best feminist? Who is the best pro-LGBT uh, organization? Who is the best pro-trans organization? Who is the best? And out of this constant competition for money, you see all these pathologies emerging, you know, cancellations, fights online. And then, then when you combine all this with the anti-social media, you have the recipe for disaster, you know, you know. because you have all the good energies converted into this activist um, activist uh, system that is playing for money offered by the elites through charities. And then you mix it up with competition because you have to assert yourself as the best feminist, the best pro-LGBT, the best progressive, yes. the best whatever, and play it with the social media. And then <laughs> this is, you know, <coughs> the well, last straw that breaks the camel's back and it destroys uh. the idea of a building a serial, uh, a serious social movement. And another thing, another element here to consider, is also um, dividing us, the leftists, the progressives, into and puts us in small boxes. We have three little people here fighting for violence against women. Then you have Another three people fighting, fighting for against, violence against, against violence. Roma, against violence, against violence, against Roma women, then against lesbians, then against Roma lesbians. So you have all sorts of little divisions. Yeah, that's identity, you know, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that that are fighting, element. you know, for a piece or for the larger pie that it consists of what? Of money offered through charity. There's a wonderful book that I want to mention here by Jason Hickel, The Great Division. It was translated in Romanian and it's wonderful. I mean, he is the son of uh, doctors working in Africa and Swaziland, a very small country, and he saw the suffering and he saw how bad were people, you know, treated in that country and the economic, you know, uh, uh, disaster that was um, fueling all the social problems. And he remembers that uh, in front of his parents' uh, um, building there were hundreds of people just staying in line to be to be treated and he really wanted to make things good for the people in that country he was sincere in what he wanted and i'm sure that there are hundreds if not thousands of people like him who really want to do good so what he did, did he do he took a job at World Vision. Now, World Vision is one of the biggest NGOs fighting poverty. And 
Troubles started when the bosses from World Vision, he came back to the country really wanting to do something for those people and to help them out of, uh, of the situation, dire situations they were in. What did he do? The bosses asked him to write a report on the causes of poverty in Swaziland. And you can imagine, boy, why they, what he found out was that what? country has taken a huge loan from international banking institutions that they could never repay, that they were exporting raw materials in order to uh, maintain their economic system, but that prevented them from developing their own manufacturing industry. All the recipes... I was of, able to guess that success. from the start, yes. Yeah. And... He found out and he listed out the corporations that were doing businesses they were doing, and they were very successful in the businesses that were conducted in that small country of Africa that was called Swaziland at the time of the writing of the book. And he presented to his bosses the report. Now, what did the bosses say? Shut up. <laughs> Do not rock, rock the boat. Let us continue with this. Let us ignore what you're saying because, because they are the main donors. They are the main donors. And if we publish your report, which by the fact is accurate and true, then we go out of business. And here in this very important tale, this should be a cautionary tale of why we should abandon the NGO activist whole system because it's yeah. bankrupt. It's bankrupt. Yeah, yeah of course. And corruption. It's just pure corruption. And this is these are the, the political uh, and economic causes for, for the bankruptcy that you are observing. Uh, and we kept observing while looking at the leftist progressive communities here and there. And we also, we have the first university in Romania, Boyan, that is recognizing the third gender, the non-binary gender. And at the same time, I have information that the management is suppressing free speech and is suppressing... Um, professors there for speaking out their minds in public. And you have the perfect, you know, <laughs> you have the perfect opportunity here to see how you may have a very compatible progressive agenda with the interests of the elites that are not pro-workers, that are not pro-democracy at work. No, they just fake it. They put this yeah. umbrella of progressive shiny thinking on their heads and then everything is sold and then the rest so is censored be very yes. yeah i i then the rest is yeah censored. of course i so they are not true and, and the, another thing that I, it will the, the last for the last part i said that we have to be careful that's leftist with this because the right wingers are conflating what I would call very serious problems that are usually tackled by the left like wages inequality poverty with this type of madness. And, but I say, this is the compatible left. This type of recognizing the third gender costs you nothing. Costs you nothing. It just offers the illusion of progressive 
thinking while in fact you might very well keep the hierarchies and the the power structure and the oppression and all the rest and why is it important because look i maintain things like we have to break down corporations we have to end um uh, fiscal paradises. Why is nobody supporting us, Boyan? Why is nobody oh. supporting this type of leftist idea? Yeah, well, uh, look. Because yeah, <laughs> I, I heard some discussions, you know, with, with leftist women saying, but we are the left. What are we going to do? Because this is not the left. But unfortunately, we are not the compatible left. No, so, but, but this is, you see, this is the problem. I, I, this is one of the problems which uh, finally compelled me to uh, just stop describing myself as leftist. Because, you know, whenever you say that, I mean, I can say it to you and you will know because you are aware of what my political profile actually is, right? So I can, I can easily discuss this with you. But when I go out, when I write my articles, when I, you know, record shows even, uh, I don't really use that word anymore because people get strange associations with it. So I prefer to just, you know, go straight into what I want to discuss uh, and, and, and lay out my position rather than like start off with, oh, I'm a leftist. I'm going to explain you now the, the actual leftist position on this or that. Because this, th- as I said earlier, the compass is, you know, broken, blown up, like totally. There's just uh, no orientation. Yes, and to we have to, to abandon this labeling thing. This is also very important. Stop uh, engaging in all this elaborate process yeah. of labeling people. Because yeah, I want you, logic you have to discussion. The circumstances. Yeah, and, and exactly, I Not, don't care anymore. Like, you can come to me and discuss. I don't care whether you're patriotic or internationalist or whether, you, whether you, you're Christian or atheist or, or whatever. Like, I don't care anymore. I used to care because I thought that I can actually, you know, use certain group of interest or of some kind of interest as a constituency for mm-hmm. developing further, you know, uh, further, well, movement. Or, or at least a kind of propaganda circle, if you like, you know. But th- that's that's just not happening anymore because people are uh, are so divided, divided, you know, in such a weird manner. I mean, the lines of division are so weird that it's just very difficult to go into one organization and just figure out like who's going to stand, you know, by your side when you go against, as you said, like against, I don't know, some corporation that is devastating, I don't know, the environment or, I don't know, is, is is exploiting the workers in some kind of brutal manner, right? So, and this has always been a problem, right? I mean, this has, by the way, been a problem with the feminist movement in Poland. Mm, like uh, many feminists have heard over, over decades, really, saying that, you know, mobilizing feminists and mobilizing women in favor of, uh, or, or like, you know, in favor of defending the right to abortion, that's relatively easy. But Organizing women to defend nurses who are badly exploited in public hospitals or private hospitals all the more, that's, that's very difficult, you know, whereas, uh, you know, those two things, they should go, you know, they should be equally measured by people who are subscribing to the feminist idea. Right. I mean, I don't want to lecture anyone on feminism here. I'm not really a specialist, but I this is just a logical conclusion. So every time I I go out and I want to make a political point, then I just say, like, look, I I want to debate. I want logical arguments. I don't want referrals to who said this or that. And this person had done this or that in their past, in their private life or whatever. I don't want to 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 have my my views compared. Like you sound like this. You you talk like that one, you know, because 
as Noam Chomsky once said when he was asked uh, about Jordan Peterson and whether he agrees on Jordan Peter with Jordan Peterson on this or that, he said, "Well, look, I mean, what kind of question is this? I probably agree with Hitler on certain points. Like, what's the <laughs> what's the point of even even asking this question, right? So, you know, if you can get to people, regardless of whether they are right wing or left wing." agree on certain basic terms of in political interaction, you should go there because it makes much more sense to spend three hours talking to someone who is of a different political profile and has different political understanding and different political perceptions, but discuss with them if they are willing to discuss rather than, you know, try and, and uh, you know, waste your energy and time on this crazy leftist, you know, uh, I don't even know how to call it. Like, I don't want to offend people, but this is just, uh, this is not, poli- I'm just going to say this, this is not political and this is not really, uh, this is, this is out of, so much out of social standards that if you understand basic culture, basic social standards, you know, of how people interact, then you will immediately see that there's something wrong with with them and the way they behave and and this is why they put off so many people and this has also become a kind of moral high ground for them we are so non-normative everybody has to now understand and admire us even if they don't understand because we are the real vanguard of you know progress and stuff like that which is no progress i mean when you behave out of any context cultural or so social then this is Uh, this is not progress. This is not even a protest. This is rather destruction in a sense that you're trying to destroy a kind of fabric that people have developed over ages in order to figure out how to communicate and how to form a society. And on the basis of what they are doing right now, I don't see how you can really organize anything, a small community, let alone society. But for the end of this segment, I just want to say that you made a few very interesting points, in my opinion, Maria. But I don't agree with you on on the question of them cleaning their, you know, their moral, the part, the the, the moral part of their consciousness. Like, you know, they want to maintain moral superiority and that's why they have to organize and they have to explain to themselves and to their supporters, to their base, whatever, that they, they're actually doing something for the people. Because I don't believe that there's any remorse of that sort in the 1%. Uh, I don't believe there has ever been, by the way. Uh, but I, I feel what I think the, the purpose of all those organizations is, and the NGO mafia, political mafia, is plays a very important role and is basically that thing, only better organized, structured, is, you know, the ruling classes, and I'm sure you know that better than me, uh, they, uh, you know, with all your academic background and research and stuff, the ruling classes, they never rule in a naked manner. Sometimes they do. But they never, they never rule directly. Like they don't manually kind of, you know, move uh, mm-hmm. the elements of the of the social, re- social, economic, and political reality. Right? They one of the leverages for them is the mythology. Okay, and the mythology is that one part of the mythology is that they do things for the people. That capitalism can only you know, be, uh, or, or that effective care for the people can only be supported by charity organizations, that it's, uh, it depends not on economy, but on morality, that it depends on how many people are going to give their money, you know, uh, let alone that they are, uh, they're not getting paid well, but they have to, you know, actually take part of their modest incomes and put it in charities, which are managed by the rich, of course, and stuff. And now you have this social, uh, social political mafia of NGOs, which is what's the purpose of the NGOs? 
is to hype up certain parts of this mythology and to give them a structure and to turn activism into a job, which is a meaningless concept. Mm-hmm. Activism has never been a job. Okay. I mean, I've even in my lifetime, I mean, I, I, I used to belong to many political organizations in the past and, you know, we've never had activists that would be employed on the basis of a grant or something like that. We've had acti- activism is something you do after work or before work or during work sometimes, depending on what you're And, and what it's you're very important is- to note here that even though there are poor people, you have to take small amounts of money from these poor people to finance your activity, not go to yes. the elites and beg exactly. for money. Because, because the elites be- are never going to give you the tools to destroy the status quo that yeah. puts them in that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's totally that's totally true. Obviously, this is like I mean, this should go without saying, really. Like for people who have any kind of understanding, again, regardless of where they position themselves in the social, in the political spectrum. But you know, this is like the new kind of activism is now a job. And like, what kind of culture it produces? Can you even imagine? Like, when you're an activist, especially when you become an activist in one of these organizations when you're 17 or 19, you <laughs> develop this weird impression that because you're active. Someone has to pay you money. I mean, what kind of what kind of concept is that? Where you know this is this is just destroying culture, and this is you know destroying the kind of understanding and healthy perception of of the world by uh, particularly by young people. And when you add the moral high ground to this, then you really produce a very very toxic environment, and 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 people yes. who are really going yes. to have a hard time hard time confronting themselves with actual real life when they have to go. You, you know, at one point, let's say you're fired from this NGO, beautiful, you know, rainbow, whatever, advocacy NGO, and you go out in the labor market, you are employed by some company, big or small, and in an instant, you are taught or you understand, you don't necessarily have to be taught, but you understand you're not, you're not anything special, you know, <laughs> and just for being active, no one's going to pay you. You have to have accomplishments, and concrete, specific goals have to be uh, followed and pursued, and 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 only then, you know, you can you can be a valuable member of the of the community there. Which again might be good, might be bad. We can discuss about it. You know, in exploitation is involved and stuff like that. But you know, what they are doing is they are wrecking, you know, the the, the kind of uh, basic cultural fabric, basic. So yes, yes, and, and we have thing. to more and more advocate for for this and against this 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 way of of doing uh, and mm-hmm. fighting for progressive causes because we are fighting with the tools and on the ground of the capitalist ruling class and this yeah. leads us nowhere, <laughs> nowhere. Yeah. It, we yeah. have to find different way of financing and not financing and don't work, the, don't work there. Don't work. Don't work yes, there. Don't work in NGOs. Since we reached the point of financing, this is how we managed to keep the barricade alive for so long because we operated outside the grant system and we tried to keep it alive with our earnings, with the donors' uh, support. We have a small community of donors to whom we are very thankful. And if you want to join this project and support us, we will be more than happy because we think this is the best way to support an initiative like this one, independent media. We, You can find us at the patreon.com slash the barricade. And you have all the links in the description because you have... Um, 
we we put it there. We are on multiple uh, platforms, and you can find it also on Spotify if you like, and other platforms. I told you you have the links in the description if you like what you saw. Please consider supporting us. Uh, we really enjoy doing this, and uh, we hope you enjoy it too. Thanks so much, and we are going to see you all in the next segment of our show. <laughs>